Across the country, police are resigning and they're resigning in large numbers. We first saw it from a tweet from one reporter that in New York City, they were seeing about six resignations per day and many more people retiring. A bunch of rumors started swirling that people in Minneapolis on the police force would be resigning as well. I got to tell you, man, I've got, I think, maybe eight different stories of across the country, cops resigning. Some of these are overt, overtly cultural. One cop put out a video just saying, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. I don't want to be a cop anymore. And I said this, was ha- this would happen when they raided the third precinct in Minneapolis. What cop would want to be seen wearing that uniform? We see the video of all the cops running out of the building. I'm sure many went home and immediately took those uniforms off. But some cops are resigning outright because they're being accused of wrongdoing in circumstances where they maybe didn't even do anything wrong. In one instance, some cops said that there were a bunch of young men, mostly black, erratically driving a golf cart. When they tried to stop them and arrest them, a scuffle breaks out, and now they're being targeted and they don't want to be involved with it. Now, they haven't given a legitimate reason as to why they resigned, but they still resigned. Now, what do you think comes next when there's no police? You may have seen my segment I did several days ago about something called the Murray Hill riots, where the police went on strike. I think this was in Toronto. And then for that day, it was utter bedlam. The craziest story from the day is that a taxi company went and burned down a rival limousine company. Now, look, man, we all want to live in this fantasy reality where police don't need to exist, but we're a massive country. We're a massive planet. We have a ton of people with conflicting interests and many people will be opportunistic and they'll take advantage of it if there are no cops. I certainly think we can call for police reform, but abolishing the police like what Minneapolis is doing is outright nuts. So right now in Seattle, the police are worried, saying this is close to lawlessness as we've ever been. The police are unable to respond to cases like extreme crimes, violent crimes, robberies. And this is expected to get worse. Now we have this story from the Star Tribune. Seven Minneapolis police officers resign after George Floyd protests, citing lack of support from city leaders. And there's more to come. They say maybe a half dozen more are in the process of getting ready to leave the department. So you don't need to defund the police. All you need to do is demoralize and, and, and vilify them and they'll just leave of their own volition. But yes, Minneapolis did also vote to defund their police. So let's read this story. Then I'm going to show you a bunch of other stories. But let's get real, man. Wait till I show you the comments from people from the Chaz, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. There's a couple posts. My, my tent was robbed. My tires were slashed. Oh, no. Some dude, a preacher, got attacked, physically attacked. That's what life is like without police. Roving bands of angry mobs that have no idea how or why, but they just think, you know what, justice, and they show up with a baseball bat. Let's read this first story. Before we do, head over to TimCast.com slash donate. If you'd like to support my work, there's many ways you can give as a P.O. box if you want to send some stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this video. Listen, most people in this country are for police reform. But right now, a a crazy band of, of activists who are getting more and more press attention are saying abolish the police, abolish the courts. And that's not what people want. But the mainstream media isn't telling people what's actually going on because they've been playing partisan politics the entire time. Now, it's not all bad. The media does cover these things. I'm literally reading mainstream media sources, but I want to give you a bigger picture, including media, uh, social media posts to show you what's going on in this place to the best of my ability. If you want to help me, you can share this video because I have to compete with these big mainstream companies. Otherwise, just hit the like button, subscribe, the notification bell. You get it. Let's read the news. 
The Star Tribune reports at least seven Minneapolis police officers have resigned from the department since widespread unrest began over the death of George Floyd last month. And more than half a dozen are in the process of leaving, according to department officials. The departures are uh, the departures, an unusually large exodus, come amid a growing crisis for the state's largest police force. With a state human rights investigation underway, calls for defunding and even disbandment, except they actually already voted to do this. They say morale has sunk to new lows in recent weeks, say department insiders, as officers reported feeling misunderstood and squeezed by all sides, by the state probe, by protesters who hurled bricks and epithets their way, by city leaders who surrendered a police station that later burned on national television and by the media. Numerous officers and protesters were injured uh, in the rioting. An uncertain fate for police is likely driving a rash of resignations for those who examine the political climate and think to themselves, why should I stay? Say Milan Masson, a retired Minneapolis police officer and use of force expert. They don't feel appreciated. Everybody hates the police right now. I mean, everybody. But those reactions are unlikely to generate much sympathy from social justice activists who pointed out the irony of officers' use of tear gas and rubber bullets on crowds protesting Floyd's death and past cases of brutality. City spokesperson Casper Hill confirmed that seven officers have left the department but did not make information about them available. Although their demographics and individual motivations are unclear, several officers in exit interviews cited a lack of support from MPD leadership and City Hall as protests escalated, according to the insiders, who requested anonymity so they could speak freely. Another seven officers are in the process of filing separation paperwork, and several others had to be talked out of leaving. In an email to supervisors earlier this month, a senior MPD official suggested that some officers had simply walked off the job in protest. During this busy and trying time, I have heard secondhand information that there have been employees that have advised their supervisors that they separated with the city or quit without completing paperwork. Deputy Chief Henry Halverson wrote in an email, while directing officers wishing to leave to contact the HR department. We need to have the process completed to ensure that we know who is continuing to work. Think about what that means. The police who have resigned and who are currently filling out paperwork, maybe 12 or 13, are not even all of the cops who have quit. They're saying straight up, many probably just left, never showed back up. And that's what I was saying. When they abandoned that police department, how many do you think you said, I am not going to be wearing this suit? when people are running around burning down police stations and they won't support you. In fact, they throw you under the bus. But it's not just Minneapolis. You may remember this tweet from one week ago, oh, just over a week ago. John Cardillo says NYPD source tells me on average six cops a day are resigning and that number is expected to rise. That's in addition to normal attrition for retirement. This is disastrous for morale and manpower. How about this one? Two Buffalo ERT members say resignation was not in solidarity with suspended officers. Now, this isn't an outright quitting of the force, but you had 57 emergency response team members quit that specific team because they felt like they were not being supported and were told the union would not back them up. Here's what, here's what they say. The officers we spoke with said the Buffalo Police Benevolent Association statement asserting all 57 officers resigned from ERT in a show of support with the two officers that were suspended without pay is not true. He, they said, we quit because our union said they aren't legally backing us anymore. So why would we stand on a line for the city with no legal backing if something were to happen? Has nothing to do with us supporting, said another. 
Wait, there's more. In Atlanta, we had a rather tragic event. A man lost his life. You may have seen the story. I talked about it earlier today. Well, this man was pulled over for falling asleep in his vehicle in a drive through. Let me tell you this story, okay? Now that I've actually had some time to uh, look at some more of the footage, and I think I have a better assessment. This man was drunk in his car in Atlanta. This man, uh, um, Mr. Brooks, I forgot his uh, Rayshard, I believe his name was. He was drunk in his car and he fell asleep in the drive through of a Wendy's. People started driving around his vehicle. Someone called the cops. The cops showed up, tried to rouse him, and he dozed off in the drive through lane. They eventually got him to park his car. He got out. They gave him a field sobriety test. He failed. They talked with him. He said he would just go to sleep or just go home. But they said no breathalyzer because they found him in his car, car running. He failed the breathalyzer. They said they were going to arrest him for a DUI. He immediately fought back. He actually defeated the two police in the fight, stole one of their weapons, a taser, and and started running. And as the cops are chasing after him, he turns to look behind him while running, aiming the weapon at the cop and firing. And then the police officer responds with three shots, killing Mr. Brooks. Many people are now trying to claim that this was over-the-top brutality. I'm sorry, it wasn't. You can't take a, a taser, which is a lethal weapon. They call it less lethal. Fire it at a cop and think they're not going to respond. But more importantly, you have no idea how you would, you would respond to someone aiming a weapon at you. This is a guy who resisted. He was drunk. He was violent. He, def- he beat the two cops while they were trying to detain him and ran for it and then aimed a weapon and fired. I'm sorry. But what's crazy here is that the Atlanta police chief has resigned and they fired the cop. Once again, more resignations. Now, this one's a bit different from the other ones, but this shows you, man, the police, the departments across the country are under such intense pressure. Why wouldn't you think these cops are going to uh, like, why, why would you think the cops would stay on for this? In this instance in Atlanta, it seems to be mostly a clear cut case, a tragedy, unfortunate, but come on, man, pointing a weapon at a cop that you stole from him and firing at him. I'm sorry, you, you might lose your life. And this guy didn't just die on the ground. He was brought to a hospital, went through surgery and didn't make it. It's unfortunate. I wish nobody lost their lives, but don't fight with cops and steal their weapons and, sh- and, and shoot at them. But now the chief has resigned. That's probably political, but insane that this was not like George Floyd. And you know what, man? I'm sorry, but there's more. This story is probably one of the crazier stories. Entire South Florida SWAT team resigns after chief of police and local officials took a knee with protesters who called for investigation into Dawn Raid, which killed a black man. Look, I understand that there are calls for reform. There's calls for abolish. There's calls to defund, disband, whatever. But the point is the people working police departments are people. They're humans. Why would they stick their neck out with no legal protections? Now, maybe we need new cops. But I'll tell you what, man, when you look at Atlanta, I think we can see the seriousness of the problem. The cops in Atlanta were faced with a very serious threat. A drunk man who was driving drunk, who stole their weapon and was fleeing. What should they do? Do nothing. Let him go. Maybe, maybe we need some, uh, a change in how we approach people. Maybe it's better the guy got away, but he had a taser, man. And he fired at that cop and the cop reacted. It was a split second decision. And no, you would not react any, in all likelihood any differently because you don't know how you would react. I mean, maybe everybody thinks they know what would happen in a life or, dis- life or death situation. And what if this guy who had stolen his weapon, got him with a taser, incapacitated him, killed him with it, or used it to take his other weapons or vehicle or whatever? You don't know, man. You really don't. Story's unfortunate. 
But if you can't even have that with body camera footage showing the guy was attacking you and firing up at you, and that's still not good enough, you still lose your job. Why would any one of these cops stay on? Let's talk about what happens next, right? Check this out. Winchester officer resigns, says police face crusade against us in Facebook video. This guy didn't even do anything. This cop was just a regular old cop. I quit. I'm out. I'm done. Later. There you go. Now it's not even about whether or not there was something they could be accused of. Like the other cops, you know, you got these two cops here in Ohio who say that they shouldn't have used tasers on, on, on some, you know, black tourists. And so they resign outright. That maybe there's an argument. But this other cop, he's just done. He's just gone. So let's talk about what you get next. Seattle police union chief says his city is closest I've ever seen to being a lawless state from Fox News. Seattle Police Officers Guild President Michael Solon told outnumbered overtime Friday, it's closest ever seen to a lawless state. Solon called for local leaders to help restore order after anti-cop protesters declared a six block section of the city's Capitol Hill neighborhood to be an autonomous area and a cop free zone. Now, I want to point out people keep saying six block. What is it? A, a, a six, a six block area or what, what are they saying? Six block section. It's much bigger than that. What does that mean? A six block second. If you actually count each individual street, it's like 25. Now it's, it's, you know, a rectangular shape, but it's not just six blocks. Like if you walked in a straight line, six blocks, no, it's way bigger than that. Way bigger than that. Maybe they're referring to the names of the streets and not the size of them. I don't know, man, but it's big. Solon told Harris Faulkner that legitimate issues of police brutality and racism had been stolen by unreasonable activists in the city of Seattle. And now they control six square blocks. There you go. Square blocks. They control the precinct. And that is a direct result of our city elected officials lacking the political willpower to enforce the rule of law. And this is the closest I've ever seen our country, let alone the city here, to becoming a lawless state when public safety issues are deeply, deeply concerning. And if unreachable activists have taken over an East Precinct voluntarily given up by an elected official's decisions, what's to stop them from taking another precinct? And West Precinct, where 300 protesters marched on two nights ago, where officers were ordered back inside, outside the perimeter. If we lose that flagship precinct, that houses the 911 communication center. Therefore, if that becomes disabled, how do we provide public safety services to the entire city? This is how serious this conversation is. I'm sorry. It's actually much more serious than that. It's not just fear of a lawless zone. Street preacher attacked in Seattle's autonomous zone. Stop choking me. They put him on the ground. They put him in a chokehold, apparently. Why? They didn't want some guy coming in with ideas. You want to talk about someone breaking a law and being stopped by a cop. And we will say that the people shouldn't lose their lives. You want to talk about a preacher just walking down the street and you attack him. I'm sorry, that's even worse. But still, it's way worse. Seattle police chief, we are not able to get 911 calls for rape, robbery in autonomous zone. That's right. The crimes that, be, that, go, uh, that, that are committed in this place will be unsolved, will not be stopped. And you've already got people who have been assaulted, people walking around with guns, though, though legally, but the, the, some of these people walking around, walking around with guns are doing it to control, intimidate, and extort. You have robberies. And worse, the National Review says, the head of Seattle's police department told officers in a video address on Thursday that the decision to abandon the city's third precinct to activists was not my decision and has prevented the department from responding to emergency calls in, in the Capitol Hill neighborhood. Police Chief Carmen Best, who joined Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin at a news conference Thursday afternoon, revealed that ultimately the city had other plans for the building 
and relented to public pressure. You should know, leaving the precinct was not my decision. You fought for days to protect it. I asked you to stand on that line day in and day out, to be pelted with projectiles, to be screamed at, threatened, and in some cases hurt. Then to have a change of course nearly two weeks in, it seems like an insult to you and our community. And now it's happening. You have people in the Chaz that for the most part, they're LARPing, like this, be honest, but you do have crimes. And it's very much like Occupy Wall Street. Let me tell you about Occupy Wall Street. At Occupy, they didn't have borders. There were no armed individuals blocking entrance. You could walk in and out very easily for the most part. There were very serious crimes. And there were females who were assaulted in their tents by some males, if you know what I'm trying to say. The activists there said, don't report it to the police. We'll deal with it ourselves. Why? Well, the press will make us look bad if we report this. And that's what you can expect. Think about what that means as all of these police officers resign. What does that mean for your community police group? Let's say they disband the police in your neighborhood. And now you have a community group that's policing. Let's say there's some violent crimes that happen in your community. What do you think they're going to do? Do you think they'll immediately say, let's go get justice? Or do you think they'll say something like, hold on a second. If we report this crime, our property value might go down. Well, I don't want to lose my property value. The press will have a field day with this story if we report what happened. Just don't say anything. Don't report it. Just like we see at Occupy, just like we're now seeing at the Chaz. Why would a community group want the outside world to know that their neighborhood is unsafe? They don't want the value of their property to go down. So I see I see every incentive for them to cover up crimes and make sure no one gets justice. What if the person who commits the crime is related to somebody who's on the community board, the same as it could be with a cop? With the police, you have less people for a larger area. And besides, you know, to be honest, they talk about community policing. What they're really saying is that city policing doesn't work because they're too dense. Where I live, it very much is community policing. The police officers were, I'm in a very, very small town. The cops, there are very few of them. And for the most part, they talk to you like normal people. You might see them out in the street. Now we don't know everybody because they're still like, oh, I, I don't know how many people, but it's in the tens of thousands. So this police department can't know everyone, but they're part of the community. They go to the same churches as many other people. They go to the same community centers. They go to the same parks. So yeah, in New York, that's arguably true in, in Los Angeles or Chicago. But these, these cities are so massive, there's just no way they're going to have ties to the community in the same way. So what do you propose the change would be? Honestly, don't know if there is one. I don't know what you could do, except maybe creating different police units. Like, a, like, like I've, I've mentioned before, maybe a civil guard that does lower level offenses and deals with fines and stuff. And then police who are basically the same, but only deal with more serious issues. Ultimately, I'm not convinced that'll actually fix anything either. Now, what do you think the people of Chaz are saying? Do you think they're agreeing with these stories about the crime and the seriousness of them? Now, for the most part, they'll probably lie to you. They will because they don't want the narrative that there's something wrong with their community. So on a macro sense, when you bring up these issues from the police, no, 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 that's not happening. When journalists asked one of these guys, one of these Chaz guys about extortion, the reporting was, that people had gone to local businesses and said, you need to pay the Chaz a fee of like $500 to support the community. And they were like, uh, I guess, because they know what happens if you don't. Smashy, smashy, right? Well, the activists denied it ever happened, saying, no, no, that never happened. Well, of course they're going to say that. Why would they admit it? 
What incentive do any of these people have to say, yes, we in fact are shaking down business owners to take money from them so that we can build up our little community? Side note, I do think it's funny that the police called it extortion. The libertarians were loving it because they were like, did the government just admit that taxation is theft? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a difference between taxation for a community where you have guaranteed civil rights and someone taking over your block and then demanding shakedown money. But I got to admit, it's kind of a fine line. I, I do find it funny. Well, let's take a jump over to how the people of the Chaz are dealing with the fact that there are no police, there is no security, and there is nothing you can do to stop the criminals. Here's what someone posted to the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone Reddit page. PSA, lock and secure your tents before leaving it. Carry your valuables with you at all times. That is advice everyone should hear in any city anyway. Apparently, they were just trusting hippy-dippy naive fools. Here's what they said. Disclaimer, this happened two hours ago, and I'm still recovering from the shock as all my valuables have been stolen. Came back from a walk to my tent and all my valuable items were gone. My laptop, power banks, cash of $400, and entire bag packed with my week's supplies are now gone. I completely zipped up my tent before leaving it. But please don't take for granted and lock it up or bring your valuables with you. The surrounding people have been helpful to help look for it, but no luck so far. I've asked around and it's just too chaotic as people are constantly walking around tents all the time. Why? Yes. Let me one up this story for you. How would you like to have a hilarious story about theft in an occupation? During Occupy Wall Street, I did not have my backpack stolen. I did not have my money or my food stolen. You know why? Because I kept it with me the whole time. I wore my backpack and ain't nobody going to touch it. But my tent got stolen. I kid you not my tent with my name and everything on it in the park stolen. I find that absolutely hilarious that they just took the whole thing outright. You know what they did with it? It was actually stolen by the organizers who took it down and then gave it away to someone else. Welcome to socialism. Not fun, is it? I thought it was hilarious. Now, to be honest, I wasn't super involved with any of the organizing activities anyway. I was just down there doing my thing, filming, posting videos. They took it from me and I got mad and said, y'all stole my tent. And then I went and actually found the people who had it. And they were like, it's our tent. It was given to us by them. It was a donation. I'm like, no, it wasn't. That's my tent. You can't prove it. You're right. I can't. What am I going to do? Go find the receipt from REI? Nope. There was no, they just took it. Now, what am I going to do? I had the tent set up, right? Well, that's what you get when there's no law enforcement, there's no police. And to be honest, if the police were there, they could maybe like in the real world, maybe do a preliminary or like a a minimal investigation where they go and ask the organizers, where'd you get it? And they'd say, oh, it was put up when we took it down. Is it pot? Okay, fine. Give it back to the guy, right? That's usually what, what, you know, what may happen. But Occupy was lawless. You know, it was like, hey man, I don't know. I don't know where you got that. Nobody remembers. Nobody knows. Sorry, your tent is gone. I was talking to somebody giving out socialism books at Occupy Wall Street. And I explained this problem to them that if you are a part of these groups and you go out and do your work, they give away your stuff. And by the time you're back, not only is your stuff gone, but now you can't get any of the donations because they've given them all away. So so look at this way. During Occupy, they had tents and blankets and everything, right? As soon as they opened up the, the little, what do they call it? Comfort, they called it. People would line up to get tents, blankets, or otherwise, or, or whatever else. Well, if you were working or doing something, then you weren't there to get a tent or a blanket. When they stole my tent, 
And I came back and they said they stole it. I said, well, then what am I supposed to do? And he said, I don't know. We don't have any tents for you. And I said, so I'm out filming protests and I'm posting videos on the internet, actually doing something. And the people who weren't working came here. You guys took my stuff, gave it to someone else. And now there's nothing left for me. So the people who literally do nothing get the advantage. Guess what I was told by someone giving out books on socialism? Well, maybe you need some way to prove things are yours. And I said, you mean like private property? Okay, well, well, yeah, but not really. I mean, private property is good. It's your tent. It's different from like a building. Like, oh, okay. And then how am I supposed to prove that I did something of value if they're giving away all the tents to whoever asks for it, who aren't doing work? And I kid you not, they said, maybe they can give out some kind of trinket or token proving that you've done work so you can redeem it for supplies you need. And I went, you mean money? You just invented private property and money. Thank you very much. And boy, did they get angry. Yes. And how do you make sure that those rules are enforced? I'm waiting for it. Where is it? The police. That's right. It's not perfect. The cops can't do everything for everybody. And sometimes your stuff is just gone. But hey, man, the police can help with these issues. But you know what? It's not just about theft. Sometimes, what are you going to do? This person tires slashed. Now what? Yeah, man. When there's no cops, bad things happen. All right. This person wasn't in the autonomous zone. They were in West Capitol Hill, but they're still near it. And your tires got slashed and I'm sorry to hear it. But guess what? These people have chased the police away and now police are leaving. They're resigning in mass across the country. All of these stories you're hearing. Yeah, that's what you'll get when you have community policing. That's what you'll get when you disband your police. So please, be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. And I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcastnews. And I will see you all then. The Wendy's, where a black man was shot and killed by the police, has been burnt to the ground by rioters. And I'm seeing many people on the right say, hey, look, man, the cops are trying to arrest this guy for a DUI. He resisted, stole a stun gun. He got shot and he got killed. I see people on the left saying he was running away and they shot him in the back. He was just sleeping in his car. The reality is, I'll just give you the straight assessment. I read the story based on what I read and based on what I watched. This is a very, very unfortunate and sad moment that probably could have and should have been avoided. And unfortunately, let's be real, man. You got to watch the body cam footage. It has been released. Rayshard Brooks resists the police and steals the stun gun. And then they reported that he aimed it at, at, at them. So I, don't, I don't know if he aimed it at them because you can't see them in the body camera footage. But he did steal the weapon. He runs off. You hear the bangs. And this is, in my opinion, unfortunate, 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 but slightly leaning towards the justifiable. Now, I believe they fired the officer. One's on, on administrative leave. The chief resigned or something like this. But let's, let's, let's first get started here. Let's read about what happened with the Wendy's being burnt to the ground because we are in, we are coming through a week of nationwide rioting over the death of George Floyd. And now we have another story emerge. Another man has been killed. But these stories are never just so clean. I mean, look, when we all watched the video of George Floyd, we knew that guy should not have died. This one, not so much, man. I do have some serious, serious complaints with the police in this regard. And I think you will get more circumstances like this unless we have some kind of police reform. I'm not saying the officers necessarily did anything wrong, but you have all of these different pieces lined up and what you can just watch what's going to happen when they're lined up this way. 
the way the cops are told to act, the things they do versus how people will respond. I feel like there's just not enough training and understanding of the human mind, and it results in these serious tragedies. Let's read the story from the Hill first. They say, protesters burned down the Wendy's restaurant where Rayshard Brooks, a 27-year-old black man, was fatally shot by Atlanta police late Saturday, according to multiple reports. Now, I'll also say, why are you burning down the Wendy's, dude? Now, listen, of all the fast food restaurants, Wendy's, in my opinion, is the best. I don't really eat at any of them. Actually, I ate Taco Bell recently, so maybe not Wendy's, but Wendy's is good. Wendy's had nothing to do with this. This is a serious problem. If you want to get your point across, burning down the Wendy's, that didn't do anything. It's not getting your point across. I'm sorry. And you know, they keep saying things like, well, are you listening now? You know, we didn't listen when we protested peacefully, blah, blah, blah. No, I'll tell you what, right now, people aren't listening. You know why? Because the story about what happened to this man is not so simple. It never, it rarely is. But I'll tell you what, man, when people heard the story, when I heard the story, I was like, whoa, this might be something like, let's, let's check this out. And I'll tell you what, I wasn't really paying attention to the news. To be completely honest, I wasn't really following the story up until they burned down the Wendy's. All I heard was some dude was sleeping in a parking lot. The cops tried to, you know, arrest him. He ran away and they shot him in the back. That's what I had heard. Guess what? If you just let sleeping dogs lie and let that fake, that fake narrative run with it, I'd have believed it. I'd have been like, well, you know, I, we hear these stories, man. Then they burned down the Wendy's. And what happened? Well, now I read about it and I watched the body camera footage. And guess what? Nah, not so simple. Not so simple. I'll break down the story for you, but let's, let's, let's read. We got some, uh, some tweets here. This one says, there goes Wendy's on University Avenue. I had to step away from my own safety. But here is a look at rioters right before they lit a firework in the Wendy's where Atlanta police shot and killed Rayshard Brooks. He wasn't inside. He was running. This one says, Armored Atlanta police are now blocking off the Wendy's. Fire department is spraying down the fire. Someone said they fired rubber bullets, but not sure. I, I really doubt it. Protesters gathered around the burning building, chanting, arrest the cops. A local Atlanta news station, the TV station also reported that windows in the building were broken. Nah, no, I, I can't. Dude, if these cops get arrested, I'll, wow, now we are done for. This was not a George Floyd moment. Okay, I can't play you the body camera footage, but you can go and look at it. They talk with this guy for a long time. Let, 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 me, let me actually read you the story, okay? Let, let me jump over here. The police chief has stepped down. Let me read you what happened, and, and then I'll give you an understanding versus the, the leftist narrative, and then what I watched in the body camera footage versus what was reported. They say an Atlanta police officer involved in the death of a black man at a fast food restaurant has been fired and another placed on administrative duty. Authorities confirmed early Sunday. The move follows Saturday's resignation of Atlanta police chief Erica Shields, who stepped down as the Friday, uh, Friday night killing of Rayshard Brooks, 27, sparked a new wave of protest in Atlanta after turbulent demonstrations that followed the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis had simmered down. Why is the police chief standing down? My understanding, I could be wrong, is that she is a black gay woman. I mean, that's diversity. And she's quitting over this? Dude, these things happen. They're tragedies. They're unfortunate. It, uh, it, it's a bummer this happened. But let me tell you, dude, the guy stole the taser and was running. Now, tasers are considered less lethal. They are lethal. This is the problem. When I saw the guy, you can see clearly in the video, he grabs the taser and he's waving it and he runs. The cop had to make a choice. If this dude fires that, he doesn't know how to use it. He could kill somebody. And therein lies the challenge. Now, you can argue, no, no, he wouldn't be able to use that taser effectively. I'm sorry, man. If somebody is drunk and running with a lethal weapon, trying to escape, 
and they just attacked you, there is a potential that this person could kill another person. And now you have to make that choice and that decision. Are you going to allow him to flee with your weapon? I, I, granted, it's not, a, it's not a gun, it's a taser. Or are you going to try and stop him? You know what? I'll tell you what. If it were me, I would not have done this. Okay, I would not have shot this guy. I'd let him run off. I, I probably would have aired on, you know, in, in, I would have done that. But I, I can't tell you how and why someone would react the way they do. And I'm not a cop. I personally think this officer should not have shot him. Shouldn't have. But listen, man, when you're, when, when you're talking about someone having to make a choice, when someone's wielding a weapon drunk and fleeing, I'm not surprised this is the case. So I lean a little bit towards understanding why this may be justified. I say maybe because I don't, I don't have the video footage. I didn't see him actually turn. There's like, apparently they say that the one guy had the taser and he pointed at the cops. So they fired at him. Let's read and I'll, and I'll tell you what's up. The terminated officer was identified as Garrett Rolf, who was hired in October, 2013. Atlanta police department, Sergeant John Chaff told USA Today. The other officer placed on administrative duty is Devin Brosnan, who was hired in 2018. According to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, Brooks 27 was shot by an officer while fleeing during a struggle at a Wendy's drive through late Friday. Brooks had been asleep in his car at the drive through causing other customers to drive around the car, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation said. Police were dispatched to the Wendy's around 10.30 p.m. And, a, and, and conducted a sobriety test on Brooks, who failed the test. During the arrest, the male subject resisted and a struggle ensued. The officer deployed a taser. Witnesses report that during the struggle, the male subject grabbed and was in possession of the taser. It has also been reported that the male subject was shot by an officer in the struggle over the taser. One officer was treated for an injury and discharged after the confrontation. Brooks died in the hospital after surgery. Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, who announced the police chief's resignation, also called for the termination of the police officer who shot Brooks and for another officer to be placed on administrative duty. Okay, here's the coin toss. Like, here's the 50-50 hard to make, you know, hard call circumstance. Should this guy have been shot and killed wielding this weapon? According to witnesses, apparently it was shot over a struggle. No, I think in the footage, the dude is fleeing. If that's the case, I don't believe the cop should have done this. And I think maybe there is real justification for him to be fired. But this is not a George Floyd case. And I'll tell you what, in moments like this, we have a circumstance. Uh, 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 the, the problem is how we align our pieces. You know, so I, I imagine it like you tell the cops if somebody has the capability to kill somebody, they're drunk, they're fleeing, they're violent. You need to stop them before they hurt someone else. There is a probability this man could have hurt somebody. I think the probability personally, I think it was extremely low, but that's, that's, that's not a question for me. It's a question for a heat of the moment officer who was just attacked and now sees a guy fleeing with his weapon. And he has to make a split second decision where he's probably panicking. Adrenaline is through the roof and he, and he makes a decision. He reacts on instinct. What do you do in these circumstances, man? Who do you blame? Look, you can blame the guy for resisting. You can say the officer shouldn't have taken his life. Joe Biden recently said, why don't you shoot him in the legs? You can't do it. It doesn't work that way, man. Clearly, the people who are who are blaming the officers in certain circumstances have never been in a fight or flight or or potentially dangerous situation like this, let alone the idea that imagine this guy says the cop says, I am not going to stop this man. And then this man ends up attacking somebody and killing them. I'm sure the cop would be like, I could have stopped him. I could have. I'm not saying that would happen. In fact, I do not believe that would happen. I'm saying 
he may have been thinking that way. The problem here, as I mentioned, is what we tell officers to do, how they should act in dealing with something like this, and how people are, are, are likely going to respond. Rayshard resisted and fought the cops when they tried to arrest him. But there's so much when I watch this body camera footage where I'm like, they could have avoided the entire thing. So here's my understanding of what happened. Rayshard Brooks was in his car, drunk, in a drive through car running. People were driving around him because he was blocking the drive through They called the police. I believe it was probably the Wendy's, probably why they burned the Wendy's down. The, the police then wake him up. He parks in the lot and they start talking to him. The dude says that he had one and a half margaritas he had been drinking and that he was thinking he would just, just go to sleep here. In, in the body camera footage, his car is parked. But the reporting says he was in the drive-thru. Multiple reports that he was in the drive-thru lane. So that means his car must have been running and people were going around him. That would be a DUI. I'm sorry, it is. However, at a certain point, if, you, if the cops have, have stopped the threat, the dude's asleep in his car. They've pulled him off to the side. The dude even said, I can just walk to my sister's. I'll go to sleep. It's no big deal. Why didn't the cops just say, you know, we'll take you home. We will take you home right now. Just please don't drive. Could they not have just done that? The other issue is they asked Rayshard to do a breathalyzer. He, he's, he, he kept like, no, no, I don't want to do it. Oh, man, like, why should I have to? And then finally agrees to do it. The cops then give him the breathalyzer and say, now we're going to arrest you on a DUI. You know, what, man, I, I, I feel like when it comes, like, if, if, it was, if it was me, all right, if I saw somebody drinking and driving, and maybe I'm wrong about this, so you can comment, tell me I'm wrong. If I, pull, if I pulled somebody over, all right, and they were drunk and they were slurring and sloshing about, I'd arrest them. Straight up, you can't drive drunk. Sorry. This is a guy who was in his car on the road. Now you got a guy who was in a Wendy's drive-thru and you've, you've pulled him off to a parking lot and it says, I'll sleep it off. I'd be like, sleep it off, buddy. Or listen, you can sleep it off, but because you were awake in the drive-thru, my concern is you probably won't. How about you take the person in your car and drive them home and say, how about I just give you a ride home? You have someone come pick up your car. I'll talk to the Wendy's. Can't we have policing more like that? Instead, you had all of these circumstances go wrong. Now, not to, now here, here's the reason why I keep saying it's a circumstance issue. The cops were not wrong to try and arrest him. Rayshard was wrong to resist and steal the taser. But I, I feel like there's probably a better way to handle policing, you know, I don't know, man. Maybe they would have offered him a ride home. Maybe he would have said no. It's hard to know for sure. I, ah, man, this is, this is, it's not so easy to just think you know exactly what should happen. I wish there was a way that cops didn't have to kill somebody when it came down to situations like this. I certainly don't think that burning down the Wendy's solves any of these problems. And I'll tell you what, man, we've seen the studies. There's some dude, he got fired apparently because he tweeted about this, a scientist. When people see riots, they vote Republican. And so I, I tell you what, man, the, 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 the diehard Trump supporters are probably laughing, saying, yep, you well, you're going to get your comeuppance come November. Every time you burn down a building, you're not going to solve these problems. Let's read a little bit more to what they say. Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, who announced the police chief's resignation, also called for the termination of the police officer who shot Brooks and for another officer to be on it, placed on administrative duty, which I believe that's literally happened. While there may be debate as to whether this was an appropriate use of deadly force, I firmly believe that there is a clear distinction between what you can do and what you should do. I do not believe that this was a justified use of deadly force. 
Now, here's the problem is th- this is this is the mayor literally saying that he shouldn't have done it, but he was justified. Like, so she's saying it's not justified. However, she's saying he could do it. What does that mean? Is she implying that under the rules of police interaction, engagement, whatever, he was allowed, he was cleared to use the level of force he did? If that's the case, can he be held criminally responsible for doing what the police department says he should do? In my opinion, no. However, I'm totally for reform on these issues. Man, let the dude escape. This is not an instance of somebody waving a gun around threatening people. It was a dude fell asleep in a Wendy's. Let him run for it. Find whatever. Apparently they knew his name. They could have tracked him down and he would have got a whole load of other charges. You didn't have to die over this, man. But look, I, that, this is the problem. You fight the cops. You steal a less lethal weapon. You become a lethal threat. What are, man, I, this, this is why you don't see me doing this job. This is why you don't see me in politics because everybody thinks they know the answers. Now, I've been on the ground when people were fighting and there was conflict. I've been on the ground during these riots. You do not know. It is, it is a flash. It is a flash when all this stuff goes down. I'm in Ferguson. And what happens? We hear a bang. And then all of a sudden I hear a whip crack over my head. What do I do? I just belly, belly flopped right in the ground. You have no idea what's going on, where it's coming from, what you're supposed to do. Men, read about these moments. Read about how people react in panic mode. You, you think these cops are going to react like they're not scared for their lives? I did see a funny tweet. They said something like make police go through like a four year program to become a cop. And I'm like, gotta be honest, that's not the worst idea. You'd have to pay them a whole lot more. But maybe we should have, you know, there, there was a, a one, of, one of the things I've been bringing up in dealing with these police issues is to have a civil guard versus high, you know, high, higher capacity police forces, like higher capability police forces. Maybe we do have you know, all of our cops go through a longer program, maybe maybe not four years, that's ridiculous, but maybe a couple years. And then maybe you have a lower ranking civil guard that deals with fines and not arrests. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I can see through, uh, I can see all the answers here. I'm, I'm, here. Here's the point I'm trying to make, man. The cops are people, all right? They're told to do a job. They're told to react certain ways. And sometimes they get scared. They're regular people. They panic. Maybe they shouldn't, but they do. And now you've equipped these people with lethal force and they have to make snap decisions in a panic in, in a panicked moment, especially when someone uh, resists. And I'll tell you what, dude, you had two cops and this dude, Rayshard, fought them both off. So think about what this cop might be thinking. Two guys get taken down by one dude who steals a taser and they're thinking we can't stop this guy. Now he's got a weapon. So they made that decision. You, I, I don't think anybody could pretend that they would know exactly what they would. Well, 90% of people, all right? There's a lot of people who are trained much, much better than this. I'd imagine most people in, uh, in the military would probably handle things a whole lot better. However, a lot of these cops that we see are actually former military as well. What do you do, man? I think police reform is, is, is a good start. Here's, what, here's, here's the problem with all of this, everything that's happening. First of all, the riots are not going to help you. I, I, you, can, you can say whatever you want. You can argue, you can kick, you can scream. Doesn't matter. The riots are not going to help you. End of story. But police reform probably makes sense, in my opinion, like changing the way we do things and finding out, like, like, like I mentioned, I mean, off the top of my head, I like a civil guard as a, as a you know, immediate response would be very different. These things would be very, very different if you had civil guard versus the police, like they do in some countries. A lot of these places, civil guard only has a baton. However, what we're seeing now, the police chief resigns. Why? Now we're hearing that like in Florida, 
An entire SWAT team has resigned. In Buffalo, the entire emergency response team, 57 people resigned, not in support of their two uh, fellow officers, but apparently they resigned because they no longer have legal protections. You're going to see this. And now you are going to see, I kid you not, do not be surprised if police stop responding. You think it's a joke. And, so, and, and these activists are probably saying, good, we don't like police anyway. <laughs> yeah, right, man. You know how many times the police get called in my neighborhood on the south side of Chicago when I was growing up? They get called all the time. And you can complain about all the bad things the cop do. And I certainly grew up with a negative view of the police. And you still call the cops because they still help you when you call. Now, they jam you up in other ways. And that's why I'm saying maybe we need to split up the emergency response, like help, you know, someone's, you know, drunk driving. Then you get the emergency response team. When you're dealing with lower level stuff, a bike got stolen, a cat's in a tree, you know, then you don't need people like, you know, you don't need the police to, you know, or, or somebody who's going to make an arrest necessarily. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, man, people need the police. They absolutely need the police. When the police go away, chaos erupts. And we've seen it. We, we live in major cities where people don't care about each other. And there are opportunists and there are criminals that will exploit this. What happens now? When somebody has like a break in or someone's trying to break in your house, and you call the cops, cops are going to be like, I'm not going to get involved in that. You say the guy's armed. No way. Because if the guy's got a weapon and then I, you know, I try to defend myself, I'm going to get fired. Sorry. You're effectively saying that these cops should not be cops, that they should be some kind of civil guard where the only thing they can really do is give out tickets or give you warnings or, you know, drive you home. I think there can be a lot done with legitimate community policing. And what that really means, I think, is, listen, if you got a guy, you caught him, he's sleeping in a, in a, in a, in a drive-through you know, lane or whatever. You've stopped the threat. He's not driving around like crazy. Bring the dude home and tell him to stay home. All right, pick up your car in the morning. And, and that's probably the better. If they did that, this dude would still be alive. You know, people, people make mistakes, pencils up erasers. But the, you know what, man? This is one of the worst, the worst possible uh, examples of like, the dude fought the cops and won. Like he beat, he, 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 two cops tried to take him down. He took them both down, stole the weapon and ran. So it's like, how do you deal with that? Should the guy die? Absolutely not. I oppose the death penalty. Even if they, even if they catch these, these, these criminals, I don't think they should die. So how do you deal with this stuff, man? The challenge is criminals have lethal weapons. So we equip, equip cops with lethal weapons as well. Less lethal weapons uh, are not a guarantee to stop somebody. The cops tried deploying the taser, didn't work. Then the dude stole the taser. And that's like, what do you do? Now, I, I will add just one last thing as I sign off. It seems like the taser he stole was already discharged. So it didn't have the capability to, to actually fire the, uh, the, the wires or whatever. But it had close, you know, he, he could still do close contact uh, tasing. I don't think the guy should have should have killed him. But whether or not you want to rule, it's, it's, it's justified in the sense that he thought that there was a reasonable fear of, of lethal harm from this guy. He was violent. He was fleeing. He was drunk. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made. I personally think it shouldn't have happened, but I don't know, man. This one is just a tragedy. And I think this is, this is probably the best example of why we need police reform, not abolishing the police. The police were doing the right thing and stopping a drunk driver. That man could have killed somebody if he was driving. They stopped him. And then they went to make an arrest and he resisted. They did everything they were supposed to do. He then stole a weapon. Got, he was violent with them. He stole their weapon. So they shot him. That, that to me sounds like it was to a certain, arguably by the book. I'm not saying the book is a good thing. I'm not defending this. I'm saying the cops were like, here's what I have to do. 
Now, the guy who was resisting shouldn't have been killed. So maybe there's something we need to change about how we police. But I'll tell you what, burning down Wendy's not going to solve anything. All right. All right. I'll, I'll wrap it up there. Stick around. Next segment is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. For those that aren't familiar, Matt Taibbi is a liberal journalist who's been very critical of the Russian narrative against Trump, even though this man clearly does not like Trump. He's probably in a similar camp to people like Glenn Greenwald, but you, you probably don't care too much about that. The important thing is this guy, known to be a liberal, I think he's an editor at, the, at Rolling Stone still, he does a podcast, has said in no uncertain terms, the American left has gone insane. He's right. And many of us have been calling it out for quite some time, notably people like Dave Rubin and people like me, and now people like Matt Taibbi. One by one, the dominoes fall and people who were once liberal are now standing up saying the left has gone nuts. Interesting, uh, interestingly, however, this article from Matt Taibbi is about the American press destroying itself. I'm not super interested in talking about journalism in this segment. We're going to be talking about the Chaz, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, because what's going on there is a good example of the left being insane. And I'm not saying that as a dig at someone. It's not an emotional attack. I mean that quite literally. What they're doing in Capitol Hill is meaningless performative nonsense. But many of these people literally think they're staging an uprising or a revolution. They've gone quite literally insane. Governor Cuomo of New York said to the protesters, you've won. You've won. What do you want? Nothing. They keep protesting. They're just smashing windows. They're just spray painting. They burned down a Wendy's the other night. I want to show you a, a small clip, a small segment from Matt Taibbi's article here, where he talks about the American left losing its mind. And then we'll talk about Cuomo and how the protesters don't want anything. This is very important. So listen, some people might not want to hear what's about to be said. Maybe you, if, if you want to support this video, share it with people and tell them to take it up with Matt Taibbi. But these people don't want to hear the truth. And it's unfortunate because every day I think people are waking up to what's really going on. And I think Matt Taibbi put it very well. He says, but police violence and Trump's daily assaults on the presidential competence standard are only part of the disaster. On the other side of the political aisle, among self-described liberals, we're watching an intellectual revolution. It feels liberating to say after years of tiptoeing around the fact, but the American left has lost its mind. It's become a cowardly mob of upper class social media addicts, Twitter Robespierre's who move from discipline to discipline, torching reputations and jobs with breathtaking casual casualness. Do you know who Robespierre is? He's the French revolutionary guy who just basically cut off everyone's head. And then eventually they cut off his head because he was just like randomly cutting off heads. It didn't mean anything. He lost his mind. Eventually, he literally lost his mind. The leaders of this new movement are replacing traditional liberal beliefs about tolerance, free inquiry, and even racial harmony with ideas so toxic and unattractive that they eschew debate, moving straight to shaming, threats, and intimidation. They are counting on the guilt-ridden, self-flagellating nature of traditional American progressives who will not stand up for themselves and who will walk to the razor voluntarily. They've conned organization after organization into empowering panels to search out thought crime. And it's established now that anything can be offensive. From a UCLA professor placed under investigation for reading Martin Luther King's letter from a Birmingham jail out loud, to a data scientist fired from a research firm, forget this, retweeting an academic study 
suggesting nonviolent protests may be more politically effective than violent ones. You read that right. A dude at UCLA literally read a letter from Martin Luther King Jr. And that was deemed offensive. Another guy tweeted out a study literally from an African-American man. And that was deemed to be like dismissive of black rage or something. And he got fired. Now that some people are arguing he's fired for other things. I'm not playing that game. They're just trying to get, I, I, I look, maybe, but I don't buy it. He says, now this madness is coming for journalism. Beginning on Friday, June 5th, a series of controversies rocked the media. By my count, at least eight news organizations dealt with internal uprisings. It was likely more. Most involved groups of reporters uh, and staffers demanding the firing or reprimand of colleagues who'd made politically problematic editorial or social media decisions. The New York Times, The Intercept, Vox, The Philadelphia Inquirer, Variety, and others saw challenges to management. Now, I'm going to stop there. I don't want to get into a whole journalism thing on this one. Maybe in the future we can talk about it. But the issue here is how Matt Taibbi shows you and explains as a liberal himself, the left has gone nuts. You didn't want to hear it from Dave Rubin. He was one of the first to come out and be like, the left left me. They said he's just a grifter who's taking money from certain Coke, from the Koch brothers and other organizations. Shut up. You didn't want to hear it because it was true. Dave Rubin was a liberal. He sat down with some conservatives. They explained him what was going on. And then he started to see it himself by platforming individuals who were deemed problematic. The mob came for him. And then the decision was easy. There are other people who have gone from this push from left to right. Not everybody went left to right because the left tried to destroy them for seemingly no reason. One conservative journalist, I'll leave unnamed for the most part, used to be a progressive lefty until the outrage mob came for them for literally no reason other than they looked too white. And so this person flipped. You people are nuts. You've lost your mind. For me, I've always maintained my mostly liberal positions. In fact, if you are friends with, uh, if you're a fan of Scott Adams, you might actually see that I tweeted at him talking about systemic racism and what it means and what it really is. And I talk about these things all the time. Why? Because I'm actually the liberal. I've been my whole life. I was on the left for a long time. I don't know what that means anymore because it's mostly just about tribe. But there are certain policy positions I hold that used to align with the left. There are certain positions on racial inequality that should still align with the left. They don't. I believe in free inquiry. I believe in freedom of speech, free expression. I believe that we should be able to produce art, even if it's considered detestable. I believe people are allowed to be offensive. That includes Ricky Gervais. That includes Dave Chappelle. You got a white guy and you got a black comedian. They're allowed to be offensive. I believe that we should have free inquiry and free debate. But whatever the left is today is a mindless horde of zombies seeking out the next thing to destroy. It has nothing to do with policy. The factions now are the lunatic outrage mob and everybody else. Unfortunately, the lunatic outrage mob has a bunch of people sitting down, minding their own business, not paying attention and just casting their vote in support of these people. You know, I talk to my friends and I say, listen, here you go, Cuomo. You don't need to protest. You won. They're still protesting. They're still destroying things. Meanwhile, the people who support these protests live in fancy mansions. Here you go. The firebrand behind Seattle's Chaz. Councilwoman and socialist Kishama Sawant, who a 46 refuses uh, to allow cops into the six block zone, lives in an $800,000 home, but has railed against gentrification in Seattle. Yes, it's a mindless mob. They want nothing. They don't want anything. They just want to bully people. That's what the left has become. I talk to my friends and I say, 
You know, I'm talking to some of my friends who are very progressive and they're like, you know, we're fighting the good fight. We're trying to end oppression, blah, blah, blah. And I said, dude, you're literally on the side with people who are banning books, literally banning art. I posted this on my Instagram. Go check out my Instagram, instagram.com slash Timcast. I posted an image of a Magic the Gathering trading card game card that was recently banned for being racist. And in no way is it racist. They just didn't like the game function. It's ridiculous. Movies being banned. Yup. Books being banned. You betcha. What's the difference between banning books and burning them? When, when we get our books digitally and Amazon says this isn't allowed, how is that not a book burning? The goal is the same. Don't let, re- let, let people read or learn things that may challenge their mind or enlighten them to something that's actually going on. The books that were being burned by the Nazis were not like pro-Nazi. They were trying to destroy anything that would challenge their ideology. And now it's happening. You have these protesters who quite literally have won, and they're still demanding more. They're still protesting. Why? Take a look at what Cuomo said. Let's read this. He says, you don't need to protest. You've won. People are still out protesting. You don't need to protest. You won. You won. You accomplished your goal. Society says you're right. The police need systemic reform. That was, a, that was accomplishment one. Now go to step two. What reform do you want? What do you want? Right now, you get people like Bill Maher. And, and shame on you, Bill Maher, for so much. I'm a fan. I am. I like that Bill Maher speaks up in, 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 you know, in favor of free inquiry and calls at the social outrage. But his Trump derangement syndrome is so severe, he can't see the contradictions and the cognitive dissonance. And it's becoming so insane that his last monologue made literally no sense. Bill Maher runs defense for this. He goes, right now, a bunch of people are proposing diverting some funding from the police to other programs, but they're calling it defund the police. Oh man, Democrats sure are dumb. They're going to give this one to Trump. I'm sorry, you're wrong. They are not talking about diverting funds. Maybe that's the first thing someone said, but maybe if you paid attention to the New York Times op-ed that said, yes, we literally mean abolish the police. Maybe if you actually paid attention to what Minneapolis just did, literally voting to abolish their police and to replace it with something else. Maybe if you paid attention, you'd realize they're not talking about deferring funds. But people like Bill Maher are are running a defense for the insanity that these people are pushing. So while he simultaneously will call out the woke, insane left, he still doesn't know enough and ends up defending them. But this brings me to my favorite thing about the left going insane. And this includes Bill Maher. Again, I've been a fan of Bill Maher for a very long time because he always called out the moral authoritarians. Now he's only passively doing it. You know what he said in his monologue? This is funny. I love this one. In one monologue, one, he says, Donald Trump is going to be having rallies even though there's COVID, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. You want to criticize Trump in his rallies for COVID. Then he literally ends the monologue by, by saying, and now the CDC and the WHO are telling us that asymptomatic carriers can't tr- uh, uh, transmit COVID and that you can't get it from surfaces. What are they doing? I'm like, it's <laughs> so funny that you just pointed out that the CDC and WHO are saying asymptomatic carriers and touching surfaces won't transmit the disease. So why are you criticizing Trump for wanting to have a rally? There's literally protests going on. You didn't say anything about that. Trump wants to have a rally. Aha, but COVID. But also the COVID news was fake. Okay, fine. Let's be fair. You can argue there's still some absurdity, I guess, in Trump having a rally when there's still a threat of COVID, even if the threat isn't nearly as bad because the who is walking things back. Uh, Dude, if asymptomatic carriers can't transfer it to can't infect other people, then they need only tell sick people they can't come in. 
Bill Maher in one monologue completely contradicts himself. Okay, mostly contradicts himself. But therein lies the problem. The left has truly gone insane. And you can see it. Cuomo says, I want systemic reform, okay? How do you define systemic reform? Let's sit down at a table with a local government, with the police, with other stakeholders. How do we redesign the police department? I'm sorry. Did someone say they wanted to redesign it? Or did they literally say abolish the police? Let's talk about the Chaz, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, mostly a LARP. There's quite literally people walking around dressed up like wizards and knights. And I think it's actually really funny. From what I've heard from people who have been there, it is very, very silly. And it's mostly just people being silly. However, as much as we want to point out how silly and funny a lot of people are, you know, think it is, there's still businesses being destroyed. There's vandalism all up and down these streets. It's bad. They're, <laughs> they're, draw- they're drawing male genitals in spray paint on people's storefronts. And they're not just doing it once or twice. I mean, it's like literally everywhere. Why? What does that have to do with anything having to do with Black Lives Matter? Nothing. The left has gone insane. They're allowing this to happen. Right. You, you, you've got people here who are upset. A, a preacher apparently got, cho- got put in a chokehold. You've got uh, people marching with American flags, got the flag stolen. This is not freedom. There's no freedom of speech. speech. There's no freedom of expression. It's literally a group of people who conquered this area, set up barricades with armed guards, telling certain people they're not allowed to come in and attacking them when they try. Destroying the buildings. Come on, man. There's no rhyme or reason to what these people are doing. It's not just Twitter. Like, uh, like Matt Taibbi says, you got Twitter robe spears going from, you know, discipline to discipline, destroying everything. That's true. But you've got high profile Democrats bending the knee to this and allowing it to happen. There are legitimate arguments. Police reform. I'm totally down. I am totally for it. Why? Because I've always been pretty much a liberal. But the left is just lunatics. They don't want it. They want to abolish the police in the chairs. One of the demands they have and I'm not going to pretend like all of their demands are uniform, but one of the documents put out says they want to abolish the police and the court system and the uh, attached justice apparatus, which I'm assuming means prisons. And they want all political prisoners, the protesters who attacked cops to be released. And there's literally a flyer going around that says abolish prisons. Now there is no stop. There is no point at which they're like, we are satisfied. We've won. They are just insane people doing insane things for insane reasons. And yet today, to sort of paraphrase a famous individuals, I'm liable to be deemed uh, to be deemed insane for pointing that out. Remember that famous quote? The media defends these people. Journalism protects them. And it's like Matt Taibbi said, it's, you know, at the end of his article, he says, let me let me show you his conclusion, to be fair, because I think it, it does. It does matter what's going on in media. He says today, no one with a salary will stand up for colleagues like Lee Fang. Our brave truth tellers make great shows of shaking fists at our parody president, but not one of them will talk honestly about the fear running through their own newsrooms. People depend on us to tell them what we see, not what we think. What what good are we if we're afraid to do it? And there it is. These journalists, many of them are allowing all of this insanity to happen. It never stops. Listen, if you show me a video of a man being killed by a cop, and it shouldn't have happened. And we can all as a country agree it shouldn't have happened. Then it's very easy to say that shouldn't have happened. What do we got to do to make sure it doesn't happen again? Even if people can prove statistically, it's not the most pressing because more people die of peanut allergies. 
Okay, great. Then we'll deal with peanut allergies next. But right now, people are freaking out. Let's do what we can to try and solve this problem. It's unfortunate that the media focuses on this stuff. But look, if there's a problem, the problem should be solved. Simply because other problems might be worse doesn't mean we say this problem isn't bad. And if this is the one people are staring at, let's deal with it, right? Done. So what happens? Well, you might get a reasonable call for something like, hey, how about we don't allow people to kneel on necks anymore? And they technically shouldn't. Maybe we arrest the cop for some kind of, you know, third degree murder, for instance. But then what happens? They pass up the prosecution to Keith Ellison. He then jumps the charges up. And now legal, sco- legal experts and scholars are saying, we don't know if these charges will stick because they were raised to be too high. So you could have actually gotten justice. Like Cuomo said, the protesters won. Instead, you don't. You might not. We'll see what happens. Then they say, we want police reform. And you say, okay, we agree. Then they go, uh, we want to defund the police. And you're like, okay, what does that mean? Well, we want to take some of their money away for community programs. Okay, 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 I'll agree with that. No, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't mean some, it means all. It means all their money. Okay, wait, what? No, we, we literally mean abolish the police. Okay, you, you want to abolish police? Then they say, and the courts, you, you, and the police and the courts and the prisons. Okay, what? You want to completely dismantle the entire legal system? What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. Because the media won't tell them to shut up and stop, they get away with it. Think about what's going on with these protests and what happened in the UK recently. In the UK, soccer hooligans and conservative individuals showed up to defend statues, chanting things like, where the F were you to the cops? What did the media write? Far, la- uh, far right hate groups attack police. And what did they write the week before? 27 officers injured in mostly peaceful protests. That was the BBC. We see these things where they say, you know, health experts say that COVID should not stop the, 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 the right to protest. And then literally an hour later, Time Magazine, which published that, published another one saying far right groups protest defying, you know, COVID, you know, uh, guidelines or whatever. The double standard is insane. The right is not allowed to do anything. But you know what? Let me tell you exactly what happened, because I've explained this before. As Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and other big techs start banning conservatives, you end up with only straight laced, clean looking, suit wearing conservatives. But because they're too scared to go after the leftist mob, they continually run rampant, pushing insane things like abolish the police. No one. okay? I think it's like 84 percent, which is surprising still say no to abolishing the police. 79% say, let's have some reform. That's according to Cato, I believe. And we've had had now some other studies like from YouGov, every, a plurality of every single demographic saying no to defunding the police, let alone abolishing it. The problem with Bill Maher and people like him is that they don't read the news. They don't pay attention to what the activists are calling for. So they're always late to the party. Bill Maher famously got the Covington story wrong because he has become an unlearned person. Maybe at some point, Bill Maher, just he's so rich and bored, he's only going through the motions now. I mean, I, I, I feel it, man. I see it. It's like, man, at a certain point, maybe you just hire someone to write it all for you. It's probably what Bill Maher is doing. When he was younger, he was probably really passionate and cared about all this stuff. And so he'd read the news and say, hey, that's nuts. Today, he gets handed some snippet and says, oh, is that what it is? I can make a joke about that. And that's it. So he's late to the party. He's wrong. And he ends up defending the woke outrage mobs. He can speak out against them and I can respect him when he does. But think about how he came after the Covington kids. He was wrong. And that was him joining the woke outrage mob. Him, like many other liberals, while they probably have good principles somewhere deep down, they're too busy not 
reading the news and just believing whatever it is they hear from the woke outrage that work in these companies that allow this insanity to continue. The left has truly gone insane. Right now, the worst of the worst are burning books, figuratively, banning movies. And when I ask my friends, they say, well, you know, there's always bad apples. I said, no, 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 hold on. Think about it this way. You are a part of the protest. Right now, you are standing in front of a museum while crazy people ransack everything. And when I, stand, when, I, when I go up to you standing in front of you saying, hey, maybe you should stop those people ransacking, they say, it's just a few bad apples. What do you mean it's just a few bad apples? They're ransacking everything. Stop standing in front of them. Guess what? The same is true for police brutality. They, the, the people who say all lives matter, I agree. Let's be upset about literally everyone when they die in police custody unjustly. So there should be no one forming a line and defending bad actors. Everybody should be willing to hold their own accountable. But I'll tell you this. Right now, with George Floyd, basically every conservative who's on board, you won. Congratulations, protesters, you won. They didn't care. They rioted anyway. They literally had two A former pro-cop, gun-toting, you know, libertarian types being like, that was wrong. Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, that was wrong. You won. They couldn't accept it because they're not actually trying to win anything specific. They're just insane. So they're just running rampant, smashing things while other people are like, I'm just opposed to racism. And it's like, can you please then get out of my way so we can deal with those people smashing things and destroying businesses? Why do you care so much about the businesses and not the people who lost their lives? No, actually, we all care about that. We do. And we want justice. I'm glad to see this man getting arrested. But you're still standing in front of me while they're smashing buildings and burning books and banning movies. Stop doing it. They're not going to stop doing it. The left is insane. And that includes the regular old liberals who aren't paying attention. OK, I love it. You say silence is violence and silence is consent. I will send I will say the same thing right back at you. You are mindlessly doting about you have no idea what's going on. And you are providing cover for those who are destroying our institutions like books and movies. And you know what? It's funny when they say to me, when things get really bad, you know, I'm afraid we're going to be on, on different sides here. As a friend of mine said that. And I said, Dude, you're literally on the side of the people who are burning books. What do you want me to say to that? Okay, I'm not going to agree with that ever. It'll never happen. You think I'm going to go out and fight for some fringe lunatics? No, I don't care what their ideology is. People have a right to free inquiry and you're on the op and you're the one opposing it. Well, I don't agree with the burning of books. No, you just march with the people who do. Guess what? There's no fringe fascist group marching around people holding hands with. But I guess I guess these people are too stupid to see that. And they think Trump really is. Well, guess what? You don't see me wearing a MAGA hat. I'm just saying, hey, guys, maybe don't burn books. And they're like, well, then you must be a conservative. Oh, OK, they've lost the plot, man. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. at you uh, at TimCast.net. It's the easiest way to explain this. Just go to TimCast.net. I'll see you there at four. Thanks for hanging out. Andrew Cuomo is outraged after videos and photos surfaced showing people massing by the hundreds outside of bars all throughout Manhattan and even the Hamptons. You see, they're gathering in defiance of CDC guidelines. And Cuomo himself tweeted, don't make me come down there. And now he's threatening to shut down all these businesses. The good, noble and honest Andrew Cuomo, making sure that all of these people are not going to be out spreading COVID. Oh, wait, what's this video here? with thousands of retweets. This is what the Black Trans Lives Matter protest looks like in Brooklyn right now. Oh, 
You mean to tell me that the Black Lives Matter gathering is like a hundred times larger than all of these local gatherings for a drink? And Andrew Cuomo himself is tweeting against the bars at the same time this massive protest is going on? June 14th, 1227 p.m., we have received 25,000 complaints of reopening violations. Bars or restaurants that violate the law can lose their liquor license. People with open containers in the street can be fined. Police and protesters not wearing masks can be fined. Local government must enforce the law. Well, thank you, Cuomo, for mentioning protesters not wearing masks can be fined. And thank you for saying you may actually go as far as to reverse the reopening and then completely ignoring the fact that basically at the exact same time you're tweeting about this, thousands of people are protesting. Welcome to the double standard, everybody. You see, we used to live on one timeline where we were all kind of like, you know, arguing about things. But for the most part, they were consistent in the arguments. The tribal arguments were tribal and they kind of made sense. Over time, and in the past several years, it's begun to fall apart. And it got strange when people started calling, you know, people like me or Dave Rubin conservatives. Now, Dave may have actually adopted more right wing positions as he's evolved on certain issues. But then it started to get weird when they were like, Tim Pool is conservative. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I made a whole video about being pro-choice. Nope, doesn't even matter anymore if you're pro-choice because the timelines have split and now we're simultaneously occupying two different realities. One in which anybody who goes out is in defiance of CDC guidelines, of state guidance, and they will have to shut your business down. And the other where everyone's dancing in the street, happily celebrating, and you're getting mixed messages from the politicians. I'll tell you what, man. If you want to tell me I can't go out for a drink, I don't live in your state, by the way. I'm going to go ahead and point to all these people who are protesting. And I'll tell you what, what, what I'll do. How about we stage a protest at the local pub? Yes, that's right. In defiance of brutality and racism, we all will, will have a drink, a celebration of the, of, of, you know, of the changes to come. And we'll pour one out for those who have lost their lives. If we do that, will you then leave the people alone? Just call it a protest. Let's read the story and then we'll talk about what's going on with COVID in, in, in New York City. The Hill says, Cuomo said he would reverse the reopening process for individual parts of the state if they do not abide by social distancing practices. I am warning today in a nice way, consequences of your actions. We have 25,000 complaints statewide. I'm not going to turn a blind eye to them. They are rampant and there's not enough enforcement. Okay. Is anybody complaining about the protests? Is anybody in New York calling in to complain about the protests? I bet you they aren't. Probably because people are worried about being canceled or attacked. I am not going to allow situations to exist that we know of a high likelihood of causing an increase in the spread of the virus. What? What? what is <laughs> Dude, you, how, how, how is this guy going to get reelected? I, I do not respect the arguments that say people are too stupid to understand what's going on. Rules for thee, but not for me. He's literally saying, I am not going to allow situations to exist that we know. Shut up. Yes, you are. There's a there's thousand plus people marching right now in a protest. There is literally nothing. I'm sorry, nothing that will make me care about covid ever again. You see, listen, when the protesters opposing the lockdown went out in the street and they were saying things like reopen, I want my job back. You know, I want to I want I want to get my life back on my business back. I said, you well, you know, they have a right to protest, even though there's potential they'll get sick. And I, and I respect it. Maybe they should social distance. Even Ben Shapiro was like, if you're going to protest, make sure you social distance. Some people went to church in their cars 
and they did not leave their cars and they got fined anyway. And now where are we? Turning a blind eye to all of the protests. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're going to allow it. We get it. That's the problem with the double standard. I, I'm, I, I can't believe that someone would tell me Trump's approval rating or Trump's uh, uh, the polling is that low. I just don't buy it. I really don't. Either people are lying. The press is lying. The people being polled are lying. But I'll tell you what, man, you have to be dumber than a box of rocks to think they actually care. So no, let me tell you this. There is quite nothing you can say to me that will make me ever care about COVID again. Because while I entertained that people have a right to protest, be it for Black Lives Matter or for reopening, they would still get sick. Now you don't care, but you care about the other one. You're simultaneously saying you can't go outside, but hey guys, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, dude. I don't buy it. Cuomo said Manhattan and the Hamptons were the source of most of the complaints, adding that the state had never received more complaints in a shorter period of time. Manhattan and the Hamptons are are the leading areas in the state with violations. These are not hard to spot violations. People send videos of these violations, footage and photos of locales, just St. Mark's Place and Hell's Kitchen packed with people. Many of them without masks have circulated over the weekend. That's right. Look at this. Look at this video of people without masks gathering by the thousands in Brooklyn. Is anybody going to send that to Cuomo? The governor said that flouting the reopening guidelines could threaten what pro- the progress uh, of the state. Once the nation's epicenter of the virus, adding, we're not going to go back to that dark place because local governments didn't do their jobs. Nah, I don't, I don't buy it. I'm done. I do not buy it. Okay. They're going to come back and one of two things are going to happen. We've already seen articles pop up where they're like, we can't explain why the COVID cases are rising in these urban jurisdictions. Bill de Blasio was like, we're shocked that we're getting more reports of COVID. How could this have happened? How? They don't care about you. They don't care about the protests. They just want to be left alone. They don't care about your health and safety. Otherwise, they would call it the protests. There is no principle here, simply pandering for political points. Why do you think they would do anything they do after this? Like, why would you why would you give them the benefit of the doubt on anything they do supposedly to help you? They, they're not. What they're saying right now is because the tribal left is like COVID is bad, They're saying COVID is bad. Don't reopen your business. But because the tribal left is saying protest is good, they're saying by all means go and protest. There is nothing here that makes sense. So you have to convince me now that people in this country are looking at this and going, seems fine to me. People shouldn't be allowed to go have a drink, but they should be allowed to protest. There's no logic there. Absolutely none. Cuomo called on local officials to step up saying Albany would be forced to step in otherwise, saying that he has uh, contacted bar and restaurants depicted in some of the viral footage and told them their liquor licenses could potentially be at stake. Show a modicum of respect, he said. Wear masks. No, what he's basically saying is kiss my boot. I will destroy your business. I will ruin your livelihood if you don't do as I say. Now, you want to go protest with Black Lives Matter? You're free to do so. That's totally different, apparently. New York has moved to reopen on a regional basis, with New York City recently moving into phase one of the state's four-stage reopening plan, which means retailers and restaurants may only resume business for curbside pickup, while Long Island, which includes the Hamptons, has entered phase two. Yeah, here's Anna Kasparian mocking Donald Trump, just sharing this for real Donald Trump, who genuinely loves seeing footage of large, large crowds. Happy birthday, bunker boy. Meanwhile, 
These are the NYC neighborhoods still experiencing alarming COVID infections. What's that? You've got both uh, Brownsville and Williamsburg, and you've got Flatbush, Brooklyn neighborhoods. And what's going on in Brooklyn? Thousands of people marching through the streets. I don't trust any of these politicians, man. I have to wonder, what is their real goal? If they're telling me, okay, that you can't go outside because you'll get sick, but then they're telling other people they can, I don't think that's the real reason. So then what are they doing? Well, the Black Lives Matter protests hurt Donald Trump, because as we know, peaceful protests generate positive press coverage, which gets people voting Democrat. And shutting down businesses hurts Donald Trump because it makes the economy do worse. That's the only thing I conclude. I can I can conclude that everything Andrew Cuomo is doing is simply because he hates Donald Trump. Now, I guess it's a tribalist thing. The tribes have what they uh, have their uh, prescribed causes. I don't care if you want to protest. I don't care if you want to get a beer. Guess what? The First Amendment says peaceably assemble. You can make up for whatever reason you want to do it, I guess. You want to go out and have a drink? You're peaceably assembling. There you go. You want to go out and protest? By all means. This is not me criticizing the protests. This is me criticizing the government and the Democratic politicians who are lying to our faces for political gain. They will do everything they can to win. They will lie, they will cheat, and they will steal. Unfortunately, there are probably a lot of dumb people who eat it up. And they, start, they, they, they desperately try to defend why they're protesting, saying things like, oh, well, you know, we're, we're risking COVID. We, we know the stakes. Well, when the conservatives were out, you said they weren't risking their lives. They were risking grandma's life because they could spread the disease. Now, everything's to just, every, everything seems to just change in their favor. Well, now it's okay. It's okay when we do it. It's not okay when you do it. To all these businesses in New York who had their windows smashed out and who are now, and the ones who didn't, who are struggling to open, why would you support this government? I'm still hearing people want to vote Democrat after all this. And I get it, but maybe just not Cuomo. Sure, fine, whatever. All of these problems that these blue cities are seeing, I don't understand why people don't just say, I'm going to try something else. What have you got to lose, man? I'm not saying you should vote Republican. You can vote third party. You can vote for any other party, but stop voting for these people that are lying and spitting in your face. Thousands of people protesting. And, 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 and as expected, the double standard is so insanely obvious, man. I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up for you in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. I don't know if these rumors are actually true, but they have been circulating, and Texas is certainly responding. According to Breitbart, Texas prepares for rioters, quote, don't mess with the Alamo, because it's been going around that rioters that the far left are saying the Alamo should be torn down. It had been, I believe it's been vandalized in the past, calling it like a white supremacist, you know, uh, a memorial or whatever, or monument. And I wouldn't be surprised to find out the far left would want to destroy the Alamo. The only problem is the Alamo is iconic and people remember it, in case you didn't know the slogan. Let's read the story from Breitbart, and then we'll talk about some of what's going on with a lot of this rioting. And I got, I, I've got a, a story to show you. It's funny, from Tennessee, their response to the rioters. Breitbart reports, Texas Land Commissioner George P. Bush warned rioters who might be planning to target the Alamo in a tweet saying, don't mess with the Alamo. The Texas General Land Office is responsible for the care and safety of the Texas Shrine. Quote, the Alamo is the shrine of Texas liberty, and it will be defended. Bush began in the tweet below. Rest assured, we have already deployed for several weeks and will continue to do, to do so. The Alamo Rangers 
in partnership with the SAPD, the San Antonio Police Department, the Department of Public Safety and the National Guard to protect the sacred site. Now, this photo, I don't know if it's from recent. It might actually be because it shows National Guard and cops taking a, a wide, you know, wide uh, photo, photo shoot, a wide shot of, uh, of the Alamo and them. My message to the protesters is simple. Don't mess with the Alamo. Bush concludes. So this Im- image, it reads, the Alamo is the shrine of Texas liberty and it will be defended. My office is closely watching the social media posts and rumors from protesters who are threatening to come to the Alamo. Rest assured, we have already deployed for several weeks and will continue to do so. Okay, that's and that's what we read. The Alamo Rangers in partnership with SAPD. In late May, protesters in San Antonio spray painted graffiti on the Alamo Cenotaph. The graffiti included a downward arrow with the statements of white supremacy, profit over people, and the Alamo, Breitbart reported. A group of Texans responded and stood guard at the Cenotaph to prevent further damage. Well, it's pretty simple. If you're mad that George Floyd got murdered, well, good. So am I. David Ahmad with Open Carry Texas said in a video posted on Facebook, if you want to respond to that by burning Target or a drugstore or looting a liquor store or destroying the Alamo, you can kiss both both sides of my bum. I'll keep it family friendly. We're going to put a stop to you. So just do it right. Protest the man's death because it should be protested. Things need to change. This BS has got to stop. Commissioner Bush is the son of former Florida Governor Jeb Bush, the nephew of former President George W. Bush, and the grandson of the late President George H.W. Bush. The commissioner recently endorsed President Donald Trump's re-election bid, the Washington Times reported. I do not believe the Alamo is in danger. I believe the Alamo will be just fine because there are probably a lot of people who will go nuts to defend the Alamo. And I don't mean the cops here. I think the cops will do a job, will do their job. The National Guard will do their job. But I tell you what, if rioters actually show up to the Alamo, you're going to find probably hordes of regular people forming a militia to defend this building. But there was recently an exchange on Twitter, which was interesting. And I want to highlight this before ending on a little bit having to do with the Chaz, the, the, the Capitol Autonomous Zone. So in Tennessee, there was a bill proposed to deal with these protesters who block the streets. The proposal was simple. If somebody is blocking a street and a vehicle with, with, with no intent to cause harm injures or kills somebody, they would be immune from civil liability. This was the story. And it caused a huge ruckus. I want to tell you where we're at so far, but let me read this to you because a lot of people thought it actually was an appropriate way to deal with some of these protests. This is a story from 2017, mind you. They say a new Tennessee bill addresses protesters who block traffic. Under the proposal, if a person is blocking traffic during a protest or demonstration and a driver hits them, the protester would not be able to sue the driver in civil court for any injuries. The bill says a driver would not be immune from civil liability if the actions leading up to the injuries were willful. Senator, I got to I got to say, man, I think the bill was a good idea. I really do. If you want to intentionally crash into somebody and hurt them, yeah, no, you're not immune. If it's an accident because they're in the road, it really does make sense. Senator Bill Ketron introduced the bill and said in a statement, we believe that citizens have the right to protest. There is a procedure for peaceful protest, and the purpose of that process is to protect the safety of our citizens. Protesters have no right to be in the middle of the road on our highways for their own safety and the safety of the traveling public. He's right. I completely agree with this. Now, let me just tell you, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. You're going to be upset. 
But let me let me break this down. Listen, I'm all for the First Amendment. I'm actually all for civil disobedience. If you want to block a road, I, I believe you should. And guess what? You will be arrested because you're not allowed to. But this is a fine line of what we're willing to accept in terms of civil disobedience. Violence, no. Breaking the law to this degree, in my opinion, yes. Technically, it's not okay. But, you know, we kind of say it's okay, right? Here's the deal. For one, I don't particularly think blocking the road is that effective. I think it just makes people mad at you. But peaceful demonstrations can generate positive press for your cause. So if it's the right cause and you're acting appropriately, you'll actually gain some support. I like it. You know why? Because it's the contrast to the violent uprisings we get from crazy people who smash and destroy things. But let's be real. You will be arrested and then you will get your press and, and, and you pay your price. You pay the price. It's probably a slap on the wrist because blocking traffic isn't the worst thing in the world, but it's peaceful. It is. Now, you should expect that if you are blocking a road, cars drive on that road. And if someone unintentionally injures you, that's the price you pay. If somebody willfully injures you, yeah, okay, we get that's not okay. That's not okay, right? But if you want to block the road, hey, man, you made the choice. Car go on road, car drive, you get hurt, you can't sue. That makes sense to me. Well, here's the bad news. As much as it was a huge hubbub, the bill failed. Legislation had completed and it failed in the Civil Justice Subcommittee. It didn't make it anywhere. I guess some people thought that it did. It didn't. Maybe it should have. It clearly defined willful, you know, injuring of somebody. But I guess the, the risk is, how do you prove whether or not someone did it willfully? And if you grant this immunity, someone might actually then claim it wasn't willful, but injure somebody. And I guess there's a, there's a good point to be made in that the lawsuit itself will be, will determine the merit of the suit. If you didn't intend to hurt somebody and they sue, and then the person says, my defense is they were sitting in a street and I didn't know they were there or it was an accident. Well, then the judge should decide what, what's appropriate or not. So the bill failed. And uh, maybe we do need some changes, some reform to protect everybody. Or maybe the reality is we often just go too hard with our reforms trying to deal with these protests and things like that. Because like I said, man, you can sue somebody and the courts will decide if it has merit. Maybe we don't need this law. Well, aside from any hard legislative changes, we might not actually need any because the police can just do it. And right now, in the, in the whole realm of the riots and the protests, I'll just give you a quick update. Seattle police chief wants to retake precinct and occupied Chaz as soon as possible. They need to. Because I'll tell you what, the longer you wait, the worse it will become. I know I was at Occupy Wall Street. These protesters, the rioters, the armed people become entrenched. They dig their heels in, they build support, they fortify their barriers. And the sooner you go in and take this back, the better. They're not. In Asheville and Nashville and other places, the police shut them down in minutes. Do not allow them to, to get a foothold. The reality of this place is that it's kind of just a hippie festival. They're doing their thing. But it really does seem like they're expanding. They're growing. They're taking more space. The city is going to have a hard time taking this unless they do something soon. However, because it is a very large space, I'm, I'm willing to bet the cops show up at four, four in the morning, clear it out, reclaim the police department, and it's over. And I'm willing to bet they're planning it already. On this traffic website, they warn tourists that this is expected to end on the 20th. So maybe that's when they really do expect it to end because tourism is important for commerce and revenue for the city. 
they say. Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best said she wants to retake the precinct as soon as possible. Ideally, we just need to get back into that building. People are looking for a plan, but we want to make sure we modulate anything that we're doing. This week, decrying police brutality after the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, demonstrators, yeah, 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 we get it, we get it, they took over this place. The Chaz has become a bit of a meme. It's silly. Some people are calling it Antifa Stan, but there have, there have been a lot of problems. You know, I, I don't know if you watched my video from earlier, but people are getting choked out. People are getting their, all their possessions stolen from them. There have been, you know, there's been thefts, there's been violence, there's been uh, accusations of extortion. So look, if you know, when you typically have a street festival, you have security. When you have a farmer's market, the cops are still there. So this really is something different. Apparently, I don't know, they want to change the name of it. Some protesters are calling it the CHOP, the, cap, the, the, the Capitol Hill Occupied Protest or something, just calling it Occupy, sure, fine, whatever. Some are calling it the No Cop Co-op. But it's something different because they really are blocking police from going in. Perhaps the police just need to walk in. You know, you know, the, you know what the issue is with the cops? Don't use tear gas. It's that, it's that simple. That's what caused the problem in the first place. And now you've lost the ground because the locals who live there were tired of getting gas through their windows. I don't blame them. They complained. But the cops can just walk in and push people out of the way. It really is that simple. They can get a big armored truck or whatever full of cops and just slowly drive it through and people won't be able to do anything about it. So as far as it has, these protests will go, I guess we will see. But suffice it to say, the LMO is probably safe. Whatever. I'll leave it there. Stick around. One more segment coming up in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. For all their awful pandering, CNN defending the rioters, Chris Cuomo saying, please, someone tell me where it says protests are supposed to be peaceful. They still get attacked. Their lobby in Atlanta gets vandalized and, and damaged. And now in Atlanta, they got attacked again and their camera got destroyed. There's a viral video going around. It's hilarious. It's a TikTok of some dude with dry ramen eating it, like just crunching and munching on it. While Chris Cuomo says, can someone please show me where it says protests are supposed to be peaceful? And then he just sprinkles a little of that ramen spice on, bites it, bites it. And then the screen behind him changes to the First Amendment. And he goes, it's right there in the First Amendment where it says peaceably assemble. CNN is absolutely desperate to praise these people. And it's hilarious. They're not going to, they're not going to, they're still going to attack you, dude. Stop trying to pretend like these people are your friends. They hate you. I saw a photo recently where someone spray painted on a building at one of these riots, destroy CNN. They hate you. You are like the worst of the worst, CNN. You pretend to be like hip and with it. Come on, kids. I'm cool. I'm with it. And they're like, get out of here, loser. We don't hang out with you. And it's even worse than that. They destroyed their camera, apparently. Check this out from Breitbart. A CNN crew was attacked outside the Atlanta, Georgia Wendy's, uh, where 27-year-old Rayshard Brooks was killed in a confrontation with police on Friday evening as rioters began attacking and setting fire to the restaurant Saturday night. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms had already announced the police chief Erica Shields was resigning over the incident in which Brooks allegedly resisted arrest, seized an officer's taser and ran away before being shot three times. No, no, I'm sorry. And ran and then fired the taser at the cops before being shot three times. Nevertheless, Unrest broke out in the city with a large group blocking Interstate 75 and another group setting fire to the Wendy's. CNN was to film what it called protests <laughs> as masked individuals attacked the Wendy's trying to destroy it. CNN's 
Natasha Chen later recounted to Wolf Blitzer, there were protesters very angry that we were recording this and tried to block our cameras. And at that point, they got aggressive and our CNN camera was broken. Chen added that the protesters had also tried to stop her from filming with her personal cell phone. She and her crew left the area. Perhaps stop calling them protesters. You, <laughs> I'm not going to insult. I'll, I'll hold it. I'll, I'll... Sycophantic. Yes, men. All right, there you go. A little bit lighter than what I was originally going to say. Pathetic, though. Stop defending these people. Stop downplaying what they're doing. They burned a Wendy's to the ground, and Wendy's had literally nothing to do with this guy dying. Perhaps just call them what they are, violent rioters. That's it. Look, man, if you're angry about this dude dying, I get it. I don't like anybody dying ever. Okay, this was a, this was a, di- a difficult, complicated situation. George Floyd was, was, was fairly cut and dry. That dude was, was killed. But what did Wendy's have to do with it? All right. And now you, you see, here's what happens. Here's what CNN doesn't understand. These people are committing felonies. You are filming them commit felonies. They don't care about you. You are the enemy and you are in their way and they will come for you. And they did stop defending them. They say CNN is based in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we get it. Take a look at this. Fire and fury crowd attacks CNN center in Atlanta. Windows were broken and its towering sign was defaced in yet another night of unrest over police brutality across the nation. Apparently CNN won't learn in their desperate bid to court the left. This is what they do. They defend them. They praise them. They say, oh, but 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 we were OK. You know, we understand that people are angry. This is the this is the language of the unheard. Can anyone tell me where it says they're supposed to be peaceful? Absolutely pathetic, man. Well, I'll tell you what. Don't be surprised when these people attack you in the street. OK, but let me show you now something that I find to be completely to be much, much more egregious in the defense of the insane far left. Can you believe this article here from the Daily Beast? Meet the gun club patrolling Seattle's leftist utopia. Though everyone from Trump to local cops have expressed their fear about the anti-brutality activists being armed, they say it's essential to ward off dangerous extremists. And what group is this? Why? This is the Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club. And they're there to ward off dangerous extremists. The only problem, it apparently isn't working. Because dangerous extremists are lurking about all throughout this chaz. And the dangerous extremists are known as none other than the Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club. Wait, hold on a minute. The people trying to ward away the extremists are the John Brown Gun Club. And the dangerous extremists are the John Brown. Okay, you get the point I'm trying to make. The article from the Daily Beast literally describes how a member of the Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club firebombed an ICE facility and fired at people with a ghost AR. And they don't, they don't, they they defend it. They call it a utopia. What's wrong with these people? Because they're members of the extremist group themselves. Our media is being infiltrated by extremists who are propping up extremists. And guess what will happen next? So long as people don't stand up and call this out and demand that they stop, you're going to get more extremists because they're defending them. Listen, there are a lot of people who just do whatever they think is socially acceptable. They don't know what's going on. So when they see the media say that Antifa is a good thing, well, then they're going to go out and join Antifa. When you have this, this article here positively covering, it's a puff piece for this extremist group. 
people are going to go and join the extremist group. They say Seattle's bustling Capitol Hill neighborhood has long been a hotbed of gentrification. But right now, the streets surrounding Cal Anderson Park are undergoing a different kind of transformation. Over the past several days of its remarkable existence, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone has captured radical imaginations across the country. Blah, blah, blah. We get it. Last week, the area assembled a war zone, uh, resembled a war zone. We get it. Members of the Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club, a leftist community defense and firearm education organization that gained a spate of notoriety last year when a former member, Willem Van Spronson, set fire to an ICE parking lot, have been a constant presence. Let me slow, slow that down for you. Set fire to an ICE parking lot. Yeah, he was trying to firebomb a building full of immigrants and law enforcement, and he torched a vehicle. Parking lot. Sure. Great. He also shot at them. The club is often asked to provide security for protests and rallies around the Seattle area. And while their involvement is in Chaz is structured more loosely, the presence of armed civilians has raised a few eyebrows. What are they going to do? What is the Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club going to do to anyone who comes in and does whatever they want? Nothing. That's what. They are just extremists. They will do nothing. They won't shoot a proud boy. They wouldn't shoot a cop. It's a waste of it's, it's, it's LARPing, to be honest. Now, they did have that one extremist. So maybe they all will get extreme. Maybe they are crazy people who want to do crazy things. But I really doubt they would stand a chance at all against an you can take an unarmed proud boy against a fully armed Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club member. And I'd be willing to bet that that John Brown Gun Club guy would be disarmed in two seconds and the, the proud boy would walk away with his weapons if that's what it came down to. But they're not going to do anything. It's a waste of time. But more importantly, call them what they are. Pathetic, weak, frail extremists. They have extremist views. They engage in extremist behavior. But ultimately, they're rather ineffective. Even this guy firebombing the parking lot, the vehicles, didn't do anything. Leftist gun clubs have been on the rise. Yeah, organizations like the Socialist Rifle Association, of which, full disclosure, I am a member. And there it is. Okay. Our media is infiltrated by legit far-left gun-toting extremists. Now, to be fair, this is just an op-ed, okay? I don't know who this person is who's writing it. This is Kim Kelly. I don't know if they're a staffer for the Daily Beast or just submitting an editorial. And so to be fair, okay, fine. They want to publish this, fine. But there's got to be some hard limits, man. Look, Tom Cotton wrote an op-ed for the New York Times. In it, he, he posted a, a popular opinion that the military needed to come out in a show of force to stop the rioting and protect peaceful protests. 58%, according to the morning consult of registered voters in this country, supported military intervention. And I believe it was like 71 wanted the National Guard. Tom Cotton wasn't coming out and saying hurt people. He was saying defend their rights, the business owners and the protesters. This is different. This is an op-ed where you have an overt extremist defending an extremist group. Now, OK, OK, to be fair, it's still somewhat acceptable. I'm not going to put this all. I'm not going act to like, act like it's the end of the world because they're doing this. But you got to understand there is a big difference between, you know, a, fa a positive uh, opinion about protecting, you know, uh, uh, pro uh, protecting peaceful protesters and far left extremists bolstering and defending extremist organizations. Now, I know the New York Times wrote an op ed about uh, from the Taliban, and that was heavily criticized as well. And even I think to a certain degree I, uh, that I will be critical of it. But I'll tell you what, I do still lean slightly in favor of what the New York Times did there. The issue I take is that this group is, is associated with an act of, uh, I mean, look, I don't know how else to put it. 
If you get a guy from your organization who firebombs a federal law enforcement facility, you are terrorists. And now you have pro-terrorist commentary coming out. The difference between the Taliban and this is this is in the United States. It's a problem we're facing right now. Ultimately, here's what I can say. I'm not entirely opposed to them publishing this, but it is a fine line. And I think there do have to be some limits. I don't know what they are. The First Amendment reigns supreme. The bigger issue is not so much they're publishing the op-ed. It's more so criticism of the individual for what they're writing in defense of these extremists. But surprise, surprise, they're extremists themselves. I guess I can say I'm glad the Daily Beast published this because at least now we know what these people think. But when you combine this with how the rest of the media operates, praising and defending Antifa the entire time they've been out beating people and attacking people, you can see why this problem is getting worse. So all I can really do is speak up and counter them. I'm not going to say they, sh- they don't have a right to publish, but I will criticize it. I will counter it. And I will tell you this, CNN, you reap what you sow. You defend these people. They still hate you. And that's not going to change. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, and I will see you all next time.